We need to talk about ideas, good ones and bad ones. We need to learn stuff about the world. We need an honest, intelligent, thought-provoking, and entertaining review of what the hell happened on this planet in the last seven days. We need to sit back and listen to the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Yes, welcome back, dear listener. Episode 355. I'm Trevor the Iron Fist with me, Joe the Tech Guy. How are you, Joe? Evening all. Mm. Well, dear listener, Queen Elizabeth II is dead. I'm not, but it feels sometimes like I'm close to it. Because I got COVID when I was in Sydney, and I've been sick for nine days, ten days. Like, really bad, bad, clogged up head. Even my nose now, you can probably hear my voice is not normal. And I've just been spending the last ten days sitting around lying in bed and doing nothing because I can't do anything. I literally cannot do anything. So, yeah, it's pretty rough. It's a cold, Trevor. Just man up and get over it. No, I have to say that, you know, they say that the vaccine really has helped in terms of the symptoms that you feel. And I've had four shots. I tell you what, I felt pretty darn crook. And I'm a reasonably healthy guy for a 58-year-old. So, I mm-hmm. mean, everybody's experience is different. But uh, I really would not have liked to have had that dose of COVID without having had four shots if everything they say about the shots alleviating the symptoms is true because I would have been in hospital. So, as it was, I did, well, you know, I didn't have to go to hospital. but didn't really think about it, but it was still very unpleasant. So, my advice to your listener is if you can avoid a dose of COVID, then avoid it. You haven't had it yet, Joe, have you? I don't know. So my daughter and her boyfriend were staying here and they both tested positive for COVID. I was in the same house cooking with them. The child at one stage was snuggled up on my bed watching a movie. So it wasn't like there was any distance between us. And I had some mild symptoms but never tested positive. So possibly. I'm on immunosuppressive drugs, so I would have thought I was at high risk of... Yeah, have you got the antivirals? You, if you were to get COVID, would you get the special antiviral treatment that's around? Possibly, I don't know. Right. Because I was talking to Robin Bristow, aka mm-hmm. brother Samuel Demogorgon, and because he's he, got issues, yep. he had also lined up with his GP in advance to say, if I get COVID, you've got to be ready to get these for me. And he got them very, very quickly once he got COVID. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm still going to have a few days off remember as a 20-year-old getting flu and it put me in bed for three weeks. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so, yeah, we, we laugh about man flu, but it, mm. it's, a, it's a serious disease. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> my daughter's teenage friend who had COVID, I think six months on is still getting breathless yeah. if she does any form of exercise. Yes. Uh, it's Yeah, uh, it does, and I think there's there's evidence there's more and more evidence of long-term damage Mm. so this was uh, 10 days ago i was coming back from sydney and i think there was maybe three or four people on the plane with a mask on and i was Mm -hmm. one of them but uh, and in the airport virtually one out of 100 was wearing a mask at that point so i on the way down to Sydney, it was mandatory to have the mask on the plane, but by mm-hmm. I'd spent a week in Sydney. By the time I came back, it was no longer mandatory. And, and yeah, literally just a handful on the plane and maybe one or two in every hundred people in the airport with the mask on. So oh, there we go. Anyway. Yeah, my trip, we were mandatory. So nobody wore them at the airport, but when we got on the plane, they told us it was mandatory. Yep. And then, admittedly, the plane was packed. And on the way back... The plane was sparsely populated and the the mask laws had been changed. So we had to wear it in the airport, but not on the plane. Right. What? <laughs> what? Yep. Um, right. At the airport, yeah. they insisted that we wear the masks and then we got on the plane and they said, oh, you don't have to wear your masks <laughs> anymore. Okay. Wow. Thank you for the messages in the chat room, by the way, Julia and John. Watley. Jungle Juice. Jungle Juice says, I've had two shots and still haven't had it. So there we go. Well, we've got to talk about uh, Queen Elizabeth II, the funeral, 
the whole shebang. And what does it say about our society? Well, as somebody said, you know, out with one, Liz, in with another. Liz Trump. In with an, oh, Liz, yes, that's right. For those of us who recognise her, so. Yes. Because she appeared and uh, the poor old Channel 9 commentators from Australia were like, who's that lady? Don't know. Just probably my, my, just a minor royal. My understanding was it was from a distance. They couldn't actually see her face. Yes. Well, the point was they were commenting on it from a position where they probably had a worse view than what <laughs> we had yes. on the BBC feed. This is the crazy part about some of the decision-making around all this. Like, I think the ABC sent 23 people across there to cover this funeral. And what did we end up getting? A, the BBC feed, which is, of course, exactly what we would have wanted to get anyway. Mm -hmm. A complete waste of money. Like, I've just... I'm really losing sympathy with the ABC on a number of issues and when they cry poor about not having enough money and their budget being slashed, I really am going to look at this 23 people sent to the UK and go, well, what was that all about? Seriously, you couldn't have done that just relying on the BBC feed and having people in Australia comment over the top of it occasionally for an Australian perspective on some issue, but I think, for goodness sake, it was just... Uh, I wonder junket. how many of those were senior people and it was a junket. Yeah, just a junket. No respect for other people's money. Anyway, you didn't watch it, Joe? I, no. I don't think, yeah. but I've done my best uh, to avoid it. Yeah. Lots of speculation about Meghan Markle and what faux pas she committed. and Yeah. I, I see yeah. the headlines again. Yeah, I can't be bothered. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll try and talk about these issues and find the broader context where we can. Here's my hot take from the whole thing is that basically our hardwired pro-social emotions overrule cold, hard, rational thinking, I think. People really enjoyed, well, you know, let's face it, a majority of people enjoyed the whole show and were probably in favour of everything that happened, the lead up and a lot of people very emotional with very positive views towards Queen Elizabeth II and and felt everything was all very appropriate. So there's, you know, a lot of what was done was definitely in favour by the majority of people. And, you know, on the one hand, you can say this is an unelected ancestral right basically because her ancestors outfought and outlasted some other group in some battle and gained ascendancy and, you know, in a modern context, the whole thing makes no sense at all. But on the other hand, you go, well, I think people look at the cooperation and the coming together and the pro-social aspect of that gives such good vibes to people that that's what they like and they are enjoying that coming together as a community over something. It doesn't really matter what it is. So it's like, you know, football is a pretty silly thing when you think about it at the end of the day, kicking a piece of leather around. But it's more the people coming together over things that is the thing that really gets people in. So, you know, if you want to affect change in this world, you have to take into account emotion. And, and, and that's been one of the biggest things. I mean, that was the reason for whatever it was, Atheist Church, yep. Sunday Assembly or whatever it was yeah, called. Yeah, Camera Eyes, yeah. Was people people missing the cohesiveness of a religious group? Yes. And even if they didn't believe, they still wanted to belong to a tribe. Yes. Yep. For some reason, it didn't work for Cam's Sunday Assembly, although it does work in some places. So It, it tends to work in the US where they're a lot more cohesive and there's a lot more social built around your church. Yep. And, and I think have, we've managed to replace it enough over here. Yeah. It may be people who had grown up with that, who had left the church, who are looking to replace it with something, whereas there are a lot of people here who aren't looking to replace it because they never had it. So, yeah, so I think that's my hot take, is just it impresses on me the value of people's pro-social emotions, wanting to feel like they belong to something, the bringing together of people, it's a hard-wired pro-social 
feature of human beings and it was on full display there and it accounts for a lot of what happened essentially so yeah that's the hot take let's talk about other different things oh bagpipes joe I've got this standard joke about bagpipes that I heard years ago, which was, what's the difference between uh, bagpipes and a bag of onions? And the answer is, people cry when you cut up a bag of onions. Mm -hmm. uh, But I have to say, the bagpipes were very, very good. Like, as they got ready to march off with her and all the rest of it, and the bagpipes came out at different times. I've learned from this whole thing, if I've learned one thing from this joke, is there is a time and a place for bagpipes. Oh yeah, a royal funeral. Um, yeah, having been to the Edinburgh military tattoo, the lone piper up on the ramparts. Yes, is is certainly, but you know these people practice for hours and hours. Whereas, yeah, your next door neighbour who's just learning to play, <laughs> I, I can very much understand. Yes, yes. Roman says, "Hey, don't criticise the musical traditions of my ancestors." Oh, I'm not, well. <laughs> I'm being a little bit positive, if I can, about the bagpipes. So that was one thing to come out of it. It's um, interesting. Bagpipes aren't just Scottish. Brittany in France has a big historical linking to bagpipes. I, I assume it was a Celtic thing. Right. Because okay. the Scots, the Welsh and the Bretons are all Celts yes. and the Irish. Okay. There you go. Oh, look, I've got such a mismatch of things here. And dear listener, I'm not operating at 100%, so we might be all over the shop in how we deal with it. The whole media reaction to this i mean it's been relentless and crazy the sort of 24 hour continuous rolling coverage of this event in the lead up that i would have thought has been over the top but today saw a poll come out from essential and the question was which of the following best describes how you feel about the media coverage of the death of Queen Elizabeth II and the ascension of King Charles? The media coverage has given me more information than I need, about the right amount of information or less information than I need. And the more information that I need was only 48%. The about right was 42 and... People who wanted more information was 10%. Based on that poll, Joe, um, the majority wanted the same or more information than what they got. Yeah, but just, yeah, there's been wall-to-wall coverage, but how much information has been in that coverage? So you might have wanted more information and less coverage, less idle speculation about who walked in front of who and broke protocol because of that, and possibly a little more information about, yeah, important stuff. Ah, okay. Could have been a different question. Have they gone overboard with coverage is a different yeah, question. Yeah, exactly. Very true. What have I got here? Has this campaign, this this media campaign, this relentless coverage, has it reflected the majority view or is it out of step? And which would be scarier? So if it is out of step with the majority view. If we've got too much coverage than what we wanted, then we're seeing an overt demonstration of culture being imposed. If it reflects the majority view, then we are seeing a demonstration of an irrational culture uh, that has, against all odds, successfully been imposed or maintained. It's probably it's one or the other, and I'm not sure which one is, is, is scarier. You know, if you are... Wanting the existing power structures to be maintained, then you would be encouraging the maintenance of the monarchy and you would be encouraging this conservative coverage of everything. I mean, there was barely, well, I have to admit, I didn't watch much mainstream media in the lead up. I watched the actual funeral service, but I didn't watch any of the lead up. But my feeling is that there was no discussion at any point on the ABC about the role of the monarchy and there was no criticism or critique of Queen Elizabeth II and what she's done other than very, very, very positive reflection of what she'd done. There was nothing negative. There was no even-handed coverage of this. It was just a very pro-Elizabeth II coverage 
And what are you there for, ABC, if, if not to give us... Is this the time to be doing that? I think of all of the people they have, you know, there, there's been very little to reflect <coughs> badly upon her, I think. Mm. Um, she has been incredibly in terms of what she has done and what she's been, unlike other members of the royal family. Mm. And when Steve Irwin died, you know, were, the, were there comments in the press about whether he was really the bloke that he was held up to be? And I, I think when people have died and, and it's a funeral time, we mm. tend to sanctify people, don't we? Yeah, I guess it was just seven days of it or however long it was. I guess in all that time that you've got to fill, at least you could put it on and people don't have to watch it. Do you know what I mean? Like they could choose to watch something else at that point. There might be other people who want to watch it. So, you know, I agree there is a time and a place, but uh, the relentlessly positive propaganda really grated with me, I guess I'd say. So... I felt it needed a balance of some sort, which you could only find on Twitter or in the, I don't know, the far outskirts of, of the web in obscure areas that you really had to go hard looking for. So, or, or getting arrested. Yes. Well, let's talk about that. There was one young fellow just in a crowd and he just started yelling out something, the one lone voice, and he just got dragged out by police and handcuffed and led away and there was another protester who was silently holding up a sign saying not my king mm -hmm. and also got led away by police and so I'm kind of okay with that in terms of particularly people who are yelling out doesn't have to be abusive but just yelling out not my king or something like that I'm kind of how do you feel about that one Joe? I so they were arrested for acting in a manner likely to cause a breach of the peace. Yes, a, and that is true enough. Yes, I, I think there was a real risk that they would have been lynched. Yes, so I, 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 I don't object to their voice. I just think that there are possibly different places rather than picketing a funeral or yeah. outside Buckhouse that this should be. Speaker's Corner, for instance, which is you. Know, historically, yes. where you went and, and spoke out politically. Yes. One um, of these guys was shouting at Prince Andrew, I think, making comments about him being a pedophile or something like that was the sort of comment that he was making. Yeah. I, I don't know. Again, had that been an average day? Yep. But when it's a – when somebody's loved one has just passed, I don't know that that's necessarily appropriate. Mm. It's like picketing at funerals. Mm. Yeah, I I think it, it's you have a right to a voice, but there's a time and a place. Yeah, well, if it happens in here in Queensland, Joe, we've got mm -hmm. a summary offences act section six subsection two. You commit a public nuisance offence if you behave in a disorderly way or an offensive way. And your behaviour interferes or is likely to interfere with the peaceful passage through or enjoyment of a public place by a member of the public. So a disorderly way or an offensive way. For conduct to be disorderly, it must be sufficiently ill-mannered or in bad taste. It does not only have to meet with the disapproval of well-conducted and reasonable men and women but also tend to annoy or insult such persons sufficiently deeply or seriously to warrant the interference of the police. So ill-mannered, bad taste, meet with the disapproval of well-conducted and reasonable men and women. Do that and you're on your way to a disorderly, well, a public nuisance based on disorderly uh, And how conduct. old is that law? Well, it's current in Queensland. So, I just wondered if it was a, yeah. That's yeah. a commonly used law, I believe. Oh, it's yeah. It's not obscure here. Uh, there, was, yeah. mm. there was the Canadian, there was a mm. 
female blonde Canadian who was very right wing, who was walking through some very Muslim area of Sydney. Yes, yes. Who got yeah. moved on by the police and told that she'd be arrested for disorderly conduct or something. Yeah. Ill-mannered, bad taste. Meet with the disapproval of well-conducted and reasonable men and women. And it's all done in the circumstances. So I think with that guy yelling out at Prince Andrew that he's a pedophile, you know, amongst a crowd of people who are there just to enjoy the procession, and the high risk that the crowd would turn on him, mm-hmm. and that the high risk that that would lead to some sort of minor fight breaking out, good idea by the police, I think. And those who are sort of in favour of freedom of speech is so important. It it's, cannot be restricted in any way. It's, it's the ultimate thing that we must keep free at, at all times. Well, you know, we restrict speech for different things. I mean... Just for foul language, if the guy was there just saying horrible, terrible, foul language and all the rest of it, we could, he could be carted away because of just a breach of, of a public norm, essentially. So this gets well, he, back to he, how we value it, value public norms. Probably slanderous statements as well, uh, accusing him of being a paedophile. The allegations were that he had sex with a woman who was over the age of consent. Yeah, maybe whether I've it was consensual or not, mm. that's different. But technically, to call him a paedophile, I think, is is I definitely slanderous. I think he was shouting at Prince Andrew about his recent troubles. I don't know the word paedophile was used, but right, I think he was just. I mean, it has been it has been liberally used about him, and yeah. I think uh, you need to be very careful. Yeah, because I think those charges wouldn't stick. Yeah. Yep. I mean, certainly it's morally reprehensible and there are mm. possibly other criminal charges, but I don't think that particular one is is relevant. Mm. So the free speech advocates out there, I think I'd say, you know what, that guy could go back there the next day and mm-hmm. shout amongst uh, to anybody whenever he wants to. Sometimes there are just occasions because of what the rest of the community is doing that maybe you don't get to have your free speech and... If that was happening every day where you were restricted, okay. But well, once I think it's in a blue the same moon, as the protests about abortion places, abortion mm, clinics. Yes, yes. Plenty of opportunity to protest wherever you like, just not right there at that time. Yep. yep. So, yeah, well, that's all part of that. Yeah, Bronwyn said initially, personally I'm concerned about attempts to silence voices with a different view about the monarchy. It's like reasonable free speech had to be suspended, but then... Goes on to say, I take your point, Joe, and others. After all, I'm sure no one here liked that awful church used to picket the funerals and gay service people in the US. So there we go. Westboro. So, yeah. So you do have to sort of take into account the circumstances. And, and I think that was a correct decision by the British police on that occasion. Mind you, other forms of protest, Joe, and mm-hmm. there were some good ones. In, yeah, this I will find. Let me just... Uh, this particular video, which was... Um, I was a bit concerned by a lot of US Twitter commenters right. who were blaming her for colonialism. Right. And A, she's the monarch and doesn't have any power, but also B, the empire dissolved under Elizabeth. Almost mm. all of the colonies got their freedom mm. under Elizabeth. So of all the people you could blame, I would say that she is the least responsible. Yes. I mean, if you're going to have a monarch, she was one of the better type to have in that she wasn't the... She was kind of looking at Australia and going, why the hell haven't you guys left? Mm. You know, that was the sort of view she had, it seemed. So she wasn't power-grabbing in that sense, wanting to accumulate more colonies. Not that she would have any say in it, you're right, so... I think she did look at it and think, well, that makes sense if that's what you want to do. So give her credit for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Some of the – so, Joe, apparently at football games, they will sometimes have a minute's silence, but the alternative is they will have a minute of clapping. Have you heard of this before? No. Yeah. So – and sometimes they would have a minute's silence followed by a minute's clapping. So at some football stadium – I think it was in Scotland or it might have been Ireland. I'm not sure where it was. But the crowd knew 
that they're about to have a minute of clapping for the Queen. And the crowd started singing, if you hate the royal family, clap your hands during the one-minute clapping session. I'll show you a bit of it here. So... Give them four marks for being clever. They knew that these guys were compelled to clap for a minute and then started a song saying, if you hate the royal family, clap your hands. So four marks for that one in terms of cleverness. I'm going to read some Twitter comments, see if you agree with some of these. I think ABC News is misjudging the public with their insufferable, psychophantic and endless rolling coverage of the Queen. Who's going to tell them that we don't care that much about it? Turns out, people did did. It turns out people did care. ABC News and wondering if they now have deference police ensuring the Queen's coverage is 100% horn and grovel without journalists ever asking the necessary tough but respectful question about the continued relevance of the monarchy and its place in our constitution. So, Joe, you would say not the time yet for that. Marquee lawyers, it would have been nice to see just some genuine reflection on the Queen's life and death but instead our media is drowning us in performative, perfunctory drivel. It's embarrassing and meaningless. It was very syrupy, psychophantic, and over-the-top, cloying. Not that I was, was, but from what I saw, yes, it did seem to be vacuous, I think, is yes. the word. Yes, yes. You could have been positive mm. and respectful without being so goddamn fawning, I think, would have been possible, I think. Look, how does the Queen rate? I mean, you, as you are saying, she wasn't that bad. I wrote here, she's an unelected relic of an unfair medieval practice and has died. She performed her ceremonial duties diligently. Her most notable achievement was the length of her tenure. I'll say it. It wouldn't be that hard to be a monarch with no real power. You just put on a show and leave the real problems up to the parliament. So I'll excuse her from being complicit in the various atrocities of the British Empire during her reign. Not a bad old bird, really, for what she had to do. Minded her own business, largely, as far as a queen does. I, I think she worked bloody hard, actually. Mm. I mean, she yeah, she lived a, a life of luxury, mm. but I don't think it was an easy life. Mm. I, I think there was a lot of expectation on her to always be smiling and cheerful and you know, opening public things or visiting sick people in hospital and doing all those it's a little little things. You know, but she wasn't flipping hamburgers at McDonald's. No. Eight hours a day. Like, there's a lot of jobs a lot harder than being queen. They would have uh, yeah, had but... tedious moments, but what job doesn't? No, but, you know, yeah. it's not like she retired yeah. at 65 and... Had a pension. Yes, that's true. Yeah. So I don't. I think it's a very different life. I don't think any mm. of us can really understand. Yep. What it's like. <coughs> I mean, mm. you you talk to the stars, and they are very well compensated, but you can't understand being chased everywhere by the media who wants to take a photo of you in a compromising position so they can splash it across the, the front page the next day. Yes. There's, there's a whole load of things that you just, until you've lived it, you can't understand. Mm. Very different life, I agree. But, you know, I could think of a lot of lifestyles that would be a hell of a lot worse. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, growing up poor in some housing commission block in, in, in somewhere in the UK or being the Queen and you go, gee, you know what, there's going to be some tough moments being Queen. I think I'll take it. I'll run the risk, yeah. So, ah, uh, okay. I mean, that's that's the arguments I get into about Prince Philip. Mm. Uh, look, the man commanded a vessel in the Second World War right. and then was playing second fiddle to the Queen. Right. And I think he was bored. I think he made his comments in the full knowledge. I think he was just being a little mischievous because that yes. was the only freedom he got. Yes. I suspect he was quite bored. 
and, and probably cocooned in a bubble like he was, maybe didn't realise exactly how some of his comments would quite be taken as well. So combination of that. Mm. <sighs> We've been very positive about Dan Andrews over the years. Love Dan Andrews. He's doing a good job down there. Mostly. Yeah. So there's a hospital, Joe, in Victoria. Mm. The Marunda Hospital, named after some indigenous. It's an indigenous name of some sort. Don't know who it's named after, actually. Region, name, or human. Yeah, I don't know. But it's an indigenous name. It's currently mm. called the Marunda Hospital. And it's going to be upgraded. And when they upgrade it, they're then going to call it the QE2. Why? Because the cruise liner Dan? wasn't enough. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's already QE2 hospitals running around. Honestly. I don't know if that decision will stick. What's wrong with, I mean... Whatever it was named for in the first place, just leave it at that, improve it. We just don't need more things named after Queen Elizabeth II, surely. It all goes down to this little propaganda. Mm -hmm. It's this, you know, just yet another public institution named after a monarch just entrenches the whole rock show even further. And it's not meaningless. These things add up and count at the end of the day. So leave it as it is. That's the sort of thing I'd have expected from Scott Morrison. Like, you would have expected him to come out and rename something after QE2, after all this. And we would have sat back here going, you typical bloody monarchist bastard. Dan would never do that. And then, look at that, he's kind of done it. Now, Bronwyn reckons it's just a gazump the, the liberals. Oh, okay. He doesn't to have do it to. Before they could. No, he doesn't. He doesn't have to. They're already in strife. So, because they've got an opposition Run, leader. Run stacking? No, they've got an opposition leader who thinks King Arthur is a real thing, Joe. Hear about this one? I'll play this clip. Hang on. It was time to remember the Queen alongside myths and legends. In all those times, in all those monarchs from figures well-known, King Arthur, Henry VIII and so on, the longest reigning of them all was Queen Elizabeth II. God. Save the king. Yeah, King Arthur. Yeah. Not Interestingly, so. the, the French claim King Arthur is theirs. Right. Really? <laughs> okay. I mean, that's what Dan's up against. He didn't have to rename a hospital QE2 to get him over the line when you're up against humbling fools like they've got in the Victorian opposition. Does the Prince Charles Hospital in Queensland get an upgrade to the King Charles Hospital? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Yeah, a good point. Maybe it does. In the show notes for the patrons will be links to a thing about the palace letters. So these were letters between the uh, general, Sir John Kerr, and uh, Queen Elizabeth through her private secretary, Martin Charteris, around the time of the 1975 constitutional crisis. And Queen Elizabeth tried hard, actually, to have those kept hidden, kept secret, saying they were private, and Jenny Hocking had to go to the High Court to get them revealed. And it did show a high level of communication between John Kerr and Prince Charles and the Queen, basically indicating that they knew what he was about to do and didn't do anything to stop it. So... If you're looking for a black mark against the Queen, you could head towards those palace letters. You know, I actually read the sections I were talking about in the letters. Kind of wasn't as compelling as what the commentators would say to some extent. So there's a whole book about it that I haven't read, but some people have said, oh, this is complete proof that um, the Queen knew what was happening and did nothing about it. And maybe it is, but just the bits that I read, not quite as compelling at first blush when you read it, Maybe the book makes a better case than than that. I don't know Hindsight exactly. Hindsight is always twenty twenty, anyway. Mm. And I've just been too sick to get into the weeds on that one. So there is the area for people who really want to complain about maybe something the Queen did, the palace letters. There's a bit of smoke there. Maybe there's fire as well. I saw this tweet which said, please be respectful when talking about the Queen. 
She was a head of state, a monarch, a mother to multiple pedophiles, and most importantly, a devoted cousin to her husband. So the cousin to her husband bit was the bit that got me. So They were related. Were they cousins? Well, Prince Philip, third cousins they were. Third cousins, yeah. Yeah. So Prince Philip was related to Queen Victoria as a great-great-grandson through his maternal side. And Queen Elizabeth was related to the same Queen Victoria through her paternal family. So they had the same great-great-grandmother, which makes them third cousins. And Joe, I know what everyone's thinking. How does that third cousin, once removed type stuff actually work? keep hearing it all the time. Are you up to, up to speed with all that? I, I worked yeah. trying to figure out family links a while back with my second cousins and whether yes. they were multiple removed and who was what. I actually looked it up. Yes. But, yeah, so, it's, it's not obvious. So, dear listener, first cousins share a grandparent. Second cousins share a great-grandparent. Third cousins share a great-great-grandparent. And fourth cousins share a great, great, great grandparent. So what you've got to do is count how many greats are in your common ancestor and add one to find out what number cousin your relative is. That's the easiest way. And then the other issue is what does it mean when you say once removed? And the answer to that is think of it this way. Your parents first, second, and third cousins are also your first, second, and third cousins, but once removed. That is because your parents and their generation are one above yours. So it basically takes into account where there's a generational difference. So you might share the same great-great-grandparent, and for the other person, it is just a great-grandparent. So your cousins, but it's a once-removed situation. So the once removed takes into account a generational difference between you and the other person. Once removed, twice removed, etc. So, so anyway, they were the Queen and Prince Philip, third cousins, and not removed at all because they were at the same generational level. So I get his parents, for example, would have been her third cousin once removed. There you go. All right, well, what else we got here? Funeral event itself. I quite enjoyed it, Joe. The actual funeral in the chat room. Did you enjoy the funeral? I mean, pomp, ceremony. Um, Lots of mentions of God, I'm sure. Well, this is this is what I'm going to get to. References to God in a funeral are so depersonalising. Like a funeral should be about the person who's died, mm-hmm. stories about them and things like that. For your average person, Joe, for your commoner, like I hate going to funerals that are dominated by religion, not just because I disagree with religion, but because it takes up time where people could have been talking about the deceased person. And I think, though, in the case of the Queen, this might have been the rare occasion where it was okay to have some religion because we've heard enough about her life. I didn't really need to know any. This might have been the one occasion where it was okay to do it because we just already... I, I was thinking no, the same as Bronwyn. She was head of the church. Right. Yes, exactly. She was head of the church. References unavoidable. And when normally at a funeral, I want to hear stories about the deceased, things I didn't know, stories from their childhood or things that come out where you think, oh, man, I never knew that about them. I didn't, that's interesting. I didn't really want any of that from the Queen. So the the religious hymns and readings were not annoying in that sense of taking time away from hearing about the deceased. But still, <coughs> Joe, the, the, just the, the readings from the Bible are such nonsensical rubbish mm-hmm. that, that people are just, a room full of people just accepting and listening to that and going, oh, yeah, okay, just honestly... I was tempted to just start reading extracts from the First Corinthians verse that was one of the first readings. I, I can't go. I can't go there. What a bunch of just gobbledygook nonsense! Yep. 
mishmash of just rubbish. I mean, it's like j- jazz singers doing their scat, like just making up words, dibbity doo, dibbity da. They may as well be. These things uh, make no sense as you're reading it them. King James Bible? Yeah. Oh, I don't know which one it was. Yeah, it just accepted by the masses. What can you do? I, I understand that Chuck has actually made a sensible speech about uh, England or Britain being a multicultural country. And although he was head of the church, he wasn't just looking after the Christians. He was responsible for all faiths and those of no faith. Okay. Charles is probably quite progressive on a bunch of things like that. Well, I heard he had a bit of a fetish for, for Islam, but... It could do. I mean, he was a bit wacky, you know, years ago talking about how he would talk to plants and things, but he was probably an environmentalist ahead of his time to some extent. So, let's face it, he's got some weird shit happening there. But he's probably got some progressive things happening as well. Well, Yeah, all sorts of just crazy stuff. And, I mean, having been brought up in a household and a lifestyle that he is... You know, you cut people some slack in the way that I was giving cutting some slack for Prince Philip earlier. That mm-hmm. he's going to say things that are going to offend people because he's in a bubble and he's got no mm-hmm. idea of the outside world. Charles is in a bubble. Ah, I mean, full marks to the Queen, I guess. She was in that bubble as well, but seemed to be relatively normal in many respects. Give her full marks for that. Enjoyed her dogs and her ponies and whatnot. People have said that she was incredibly up on current affairs. Mm. She had had weekly meetings with whoever was Prime Minister at the time Mm. and apparently she was across what was going on. Mm. Give her credit for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My wife was worried. She said, you're not going to get on this podcast and just bag the Queen, are you? (laughs) No, I don't think I have. I think I'm understanding. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And you're keeping me in line, Joe, which is good. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> I remember the Queen Mum when she died. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there were a lot of people who didn't understand, but during the Second World War, the, the two of them, as in the Queen Mother and the King at the time, mm-hmm. had chosen to remain in London to live with the people. Right. And she was regularly out with the victims of the Blitz. Mm. And it was that they could have chosen to disappear off and hide away. Mm. Uh, and they, it, it, it's that that's the unifying thing. It's the, they may be born rich and, and live a life of luxury, but mm. they are still part of the country. They still come and see us in, in hard times. Mm. Yep. Yeah. If you see sparks of, Humanity like that, it goes a long way. Mm-hmm. A bit like David Beckham, stood in the queue and didn't uh, pull the VIP card and go right. through the VIP queue, but uh, went the hard I, way, stood there I, for 12 hours or whatever. I did hear that people have been selling tickets right. to see the, the coffin. Right. It hasn't come out that he did that, so. No, no, uh, not that he sorry. did that, but. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because it, it was free, you just queue up and go. Yeah, people, people sold their ticket was, as, as, as they the left tickets. the queue. I know, but you, you could leave the queue and right. go and get a coffee or go to the toilet or something and then come back into the queue. There was some way of regulating right. that. Yeah. But I, I think people were just selling tickets online as a commercial venture. Oh, to, to people <laughs> who thought they could buy a ticket. Right. Yeah. Okay. Scalping for a ticket. Oh, God. That's probably true. Did you hear what uh, Donald Trump said? I heard something about how the Queen had never been so amused by him at some state dinner and what a great time she'd had or something. No, that wasn't the thing I was thinking of. Okay. I mean, that, yeah. that sounds perfectly plausible. But he looked at where Joe Biden was sitting in the, in the, in the Abbey or wherever it's called. Mm-hmm. It was quite a way back. It wasn't a front row seat by any means. It was way back. And Trump said... You know, if I was still president, they wouldn't have put me back there. I would have been up the front. <laughs> so it's just he saw that as a slight on America, which would never have happened had he still been president. Right. He would have been seated in a far better position than what they gave Joe Biden. 
he'd have been chucked out. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, here it is. So he's, he's not allowed to tweet anymore. So this is, must be on his Trump social. He posted this. Truth. Truth social. Yep. Yes. So this, instead of tweeting, you truth. Mm. You send truths. Send truths. Yeah. So he truthed. This is what happened to America in just two short years. No respect. It's a picture of Biden way down the back. However, a good time for our president to get to know the leaders of certain third world countries. If I were president, they wouldn't have sat me back there and our country would be much different than it is right now. That's the hot take from Donald Trump. What an awful man. What an awful man. Well, everything's and, always about him, isn't it? Yeah, indeed it is, yeah. And Joe, did you see the piece of paper that fell? No. Oh, okay. Well, I'll bring you up to speed on this one then. So here we go. Just play this one. To remember. Just blink and uh, it's yeah. over. Yeah, it just it's quick. To remember how long. So just during the middle of the ceremony, this bishop drops a piece of paper and the paper then sitting on the floor and it's in the worst possible spot for a piece of paper to sit because just the camera view of the coffin and just slightly behind and to the right is where this piece of paper is that's then just obsessed myself and my wife and probably two billion other people watching the damn show going, well, how's he going to pick that up? Like it was just a little bit too far. You'd have to take a couple of steps forward to actually get to it and you're thinking, how are they going to retrieve this paper? And oh, my goodness me. Like everything had been conducted with such military precision and, uh, and uh, yeah, one guy, basically, I don't know if he was a bishop, but he certainly had a bishop's hat. <clears throat> and the comments on Twitter were, well, he couldn't move forward and pick it up. Being a bishop, he had to move diagonally. Mm -hmm. That was the problem. Yeah. So when can we start talking about a republic? How long have we got? We've got a, our official mourning period has ceased and uh, the royal family's got another seven days. And really I think what will have to happen is it's a bit like a shock doctrine. You've just got to wait for the moment when emotionally people will be ready to discard the monarchy and it's just going to take some incident of some sort and then people need to sort of strike at that point because so, it's just I, too much I, goodwill at the moment. I, I think Charles is probably <coughs> the biggest risk. I think if William gets in relatively soon, things will be shored up. Yes. Because William is the child of St. Diana. Yes. Whereas Charles was tarred with being the bastard who did her in. True. So yep. I, I I think now is it now is going to be the dip if it comes. Yeah. And it would it would require some event of some sort, I think, to shift the mood because there's just a lot of positive vibe for the monarchy at the moment. So the Republican movement may as well just cool its heels for a while, I think, until something happens and be ready. I don't know. But certainly if you're listening to Sky News, they're not ready for a republic, Joe. So You uh, shot me. Yeah. This is what you'll get if you're listening to Sky News. I'll tell you what, if you're frank about the historical record, guys, decolonization was a bigger disaster for so many oh, countries no, around no the question. world and 100%. led to so much more bloodshed, violence, um, all sorts of chaos and mishigas that, that, you know, that the empire itself didn't cause. Oh, I want to talk about this as well because it drives me nuts that uh, we educate people that the empire was bad. I'm all for it. Let's start a new movement. <coughs> bring back the British Empire. Bring it back. You look at countries like Zimbabwe. You look at countries in Africa like Uganda where they decolonized, as James says, disastrous results. You look at countries like India and Pakistan, which have struggled since the colonial era. It's that's fine, said, though, it's fine to say there were bad things that happened. Of course there were bad things that happened, but look at the rule of law, the establishment of, what's uh, now. of infrastructure and so on, and look at the opposite that has happened since the British Empire withdrew. But not only that, Rowan, the British Empire was a great engine of civilization. Absolutely. And if you look and let's at other that. empires, if teach you look that. at other empires, the French, the Belgians, my God, all of these other countries, the Spanish, you know, no other European power created so many successful successor states to the empire. 
There we go. That's, that's what our old friend Rowan Dean's so, up to. So no many, no other empire created so many successful states, but all the yeah. states have failed. Yeah. And, you know, this argument, well, you know, sure they went in and colonised, but then they left and look what a mess was, look what a mess happened when they left. Well, gee, you know what? When you tear down all of the institutions that were there previously and then put in your own and then leave, leaving a vacuum, and maybe you've also reconstructed some borderlines along the way, of course you're going to get a chaos afterwards. That's, that's what happens when you come in, completely dismantle a society and, uh, and then leave. So, so anyway, that's, uh, that's the conservative view over at Guy News. Getting quite rabid over there. Yeah, I, I think that's a valid question in terms of do we take a poll saying do we replace the current system with something else and that's our straw poll and that's a yes we go ahead and then decide what model of government it's going to be or do we side the model of government up front and then take that to the people mm. because the problem last time was you know people said don howard was being cynical by putting too many options yep but the question is, do we have a yes, no, if you vote yes, does that mean you're painted into a corner with whatever people decide afterwards mm. and possibly mm. get, you know, if, if, if the post-monarchy system is divided up 34, 33, 33%, mm. do you go with what 34% wanted? Or do we say, right, not until we have a working model and we then take that to the polls? Hmm. I've just lost faith in people's capacity to examine these things rationally in any sense, Joe. <laughs> like, it, it, it just, it's all I mean, going to be on emotion, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And salesmanship of whoever's around at the time. Well, of course, yeah. we'll, we'll have so many millions back if we leave, leave the Commonwealth. Yeah. Uh, and we won't have all those filthy foreigners coming over. Oh, no, wait, that was yeah. Brexit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm about done with the Queen's funeral, I think, and we're going to keep this as a relatively short about one. About a week ago. Yeah, we're going to run through some other topics, and uh, and she's dead. It's done and dusted. I think the Republic will just have to let things cool down for a while. Wait for Charles to make lots of mistakes potentially, and wait for some trigger because there's a lot of goodwill for the monarchy at the moment. After all that. It's going to continue for a while, so. All right, let's talk about some other things. So, Joe, since we met, Gorbachev died. Yeah. Any thoughts, feelings about Gorbachev? The accidental bringer of democracy. Mm. I, I hear was... that it was totally unplanned. It just yep. happened. Yep. All of the Russia watchers all of the people paid lots of money to examine the Soviet Union, none of them predicted the breakdown of the Soviet Union in such a short period of time. Nobody saw it coming. Essentially... I, I've heard that the problem was they had spies inside the Soviet system mm. and the Soviets themselves were lying to the Politburo. And, and so they were getting primary information that was going to the Politburo and they were believing it and they thought <coughs> that the, the Russian economy was in a better state than it was. Yeah. Well, my understanding is that nobody knew that Gorbachev would do what he was going to do. And well, had they too. had any idea that he would do what he did, there's no way they would have made him leader. But he got through a system when nobody thought he was that sort of character and had they had any idea that he was, he would never have made it. So... He was an accident of history, in a sense, Gorbachev. So, unfortunately, that just led to US corporate raiders. And the mafia. Uh, yeah, basically grabbing hold of that country, stripping the common wealth out of it, and you get a Putin-type character as a response. Did you see the... Who was the Russian opposition leader? Nagelvnev? Yeah, uh, Navalny. Yeah. His documentary, which was incredibly badly dubbed, mm. but 
was quite interesting. And effectively what he said was Putin was put in power by the mafia as a puppet and learned to their cost that Putin wasn't actually a puppet. He took power and then demanded huge amounts. And I mean, almost half of their wealth, I think, for them to carry on. Yep. So it's... It's now a mafia-run system where Putin is hoarding huge amounts of wealth. Right. Yep. Well, if they thought he was going to be a puppet, then they really got well, that one wrong. Well, he was a minor functionary in the KGB. But once a guy, well... And then he, he was, was in the big... mayor's office. Yeah, he was involved in the war in Chechnya, though. So I think he showed some tough policies there. So... Anyway, it was unforeseen what Gorbachev would do. That then led to a stripping of the Commonwealth within Russia and then a response like we've seen. He was close to Yeltsin, I did see that, yes. And uh, he sold off all the state assets at bargain prices to his political mates. Indeed. Yeah. Oh, dear. Uh, Another Russian oil executive died, fell from, Mm. died in hospital. Well, actually, yes. just outside it when he fell out the window. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and he's the latest in a long line of uh, potential Putin opponents who have met misfortune falling and out of windows and the whatnot. daughter of one of Putin's allies died. Mm. And it was allegedly some Ukrainian spy. And people were laughing about, I can't remember, there was something funny that the FSB had claimed about this person. Right. I can't remember. It was a silly name or something. There was there was obviously no way they could have done it. Right. Okay. So Raviel Maganov, he fell from a window at a central clinical hospital, died from his injuries that he sustained, and it wasn't immediately clear whether it was an accident, a suicide, or caused by foul play. But it did happen. It did happen the day that Putin visited him. So. Anyway. And he had been outspoken against the war in Ukraine. Yes. Yeah, a lot of things adding up there. What else have we got here? Uh, Biden gave a rally which had a lot of fascist imagery in it, a lot of red stuff behind, a lot of military. Trump is having a rallies lately and his supporters are holding up a single hand and a finger in something that looks like it's an imitation of a Nazi-style salute, is happening now regularly at Trump rallies. So the United States continues to deteriorate. You've seen the EU is taking $140 billion worth of taxes from energy companies and windfall tax. Yes, I think I did see that. So so they just took them off it and said, took it off them and said, thanks very much. I believe they're passing it back on to consumers. Right. Liz Truss, I mean, since we've been talking, since last we spoke, Liz Truss, I think, is even... Yeah, I, I think, think that's she was, new as well. Yeah, she wasn't uh, Prime Minister. I mean, just another one of these, Boris Johnson, Donald Trump, Scott Morrison, people who shouldn't be in charge of a used car sales yard, let alone a country, the calibre of people that is getting into the position of power, it should be frightening to people. And she's just another example of it and has a particular fascination with Margaret Thatcher and neoliberalism. So UK's fucked at the end of the day. Like, it's... Maggie was a great woman. Yeah. Well, their removal from the EU, the difficulty in exporting stuff, the power costs, uh, a leader like Liz Truss... They're just heading to rack and ruin, and it's just going to be a question of how long will it take. Climate change-wise, Joe, we're seeing lots of stuff. We've, I think, mentioned before droughts in mm-hmm. UK, France, parts of Europe, the Midwest in America. I was going to say somewhere in America they're finding yeah. bodies in a lake that hasn't been it's, – it's down to 30% capacity, which it hasn't been since it was built in the 70s. Yep. And yes. they keep finding bodies in there. Yep. As bits dry out. Yep. Flooding in Pakistan. Like, we're now seeing some enough events, I think. Maybe climate change has reached a bit like 
Voluntary assisted dying managed to get through legislation when enough politicians had had real-life experience of a relative who'd had a tough death. And they could go, oh, I understand this because it's happened to me or it's, it's, it's happened to somebody close to me. And maybe with climate change, we're starting to get to the point where, where our leaders are going to know enough first-hand experience of climate change events and massive sort of climate events that, and people will, that they'll be ready for voting for some change, maybe. I, I don't know. I, people have always had tough deaths. It's mm. not like suddenly dying became harder. So I, I don't mm. know that that was what changed it. You don't think so? Mm. Um, with the climate change, they, always, they, they just fall back on the old, we've had hot spells before, we've had droughts before. Mm. It's, it's not till you, I mean, there was a, a graph I saw very recently, which was the number of excessive heat days or something in California. Mm. And you go back to the 1950s and there was one every two or three years mm. and now there's 20 a year. And mm. you can see the increment through the years. Mm. As it, it's not that high temperatures have got any more high. It's just the number <coughs> of days where you have these extreme weather events just becomes more and more each year. Mm. I think, yeah. I think the... And, and the same with our La Nina. This mm. is the... Apparently, there are three triple-year La Niña's on record. Mm. And the last one was 74. Yep. And we're ready for our third one now. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just going back to, though, we've always had tough deaths. Just modern medical science enabling people to hang on longer than longer and longer when they're in a bad state. I think that's a relatively recent sort of and thing that... Yeah. I, I also think we've become less used to death. Mm. Yeah, historically, you'd have lost a sibling or you'd lost... Yeah, I, I remember at school, one of my classmates died of leukaemia. I, I think we are much more shielded from death than historically. Yeah, yeah. So I think we've been shielded from the climate through air conditioning and through other mechanisms of civilization. but there's going to be some events coming up soon and are happening now that I think that's starting to turn people around, but we'll see. I, um, I did see the second passive house is being built up in Toowoomba. Hmm. And that is a building, it's a European building standard where effectively, I think they said the whole house can be cooled with four kilowatts of air conditioning. Right. Yeah. Um, just building to proper standards rather than, mm. I mean, I was shocked when I moved over here about how lightweight building is compared to Europe. Yeah. I say to people, the coldest winter you'll ever spend is in a worker's cottage in Brisbane in the middle of winter because yeah. the wind just rattles through. In the chat room, Noisy Andrew says, did Bob Hawke not have a drug-affected son and that's why Australia got a least harm drug policy rather than zero tolerance? Maybe. Not sure. So, and Noisy Andrew also says, of US mates who swears that the US Civil War is not over... That's true. They're heading for one. Watley the Wizard. Also, the amazing Aboriginal actor died, but Queenie drowned that out. No respect. That's true. Lots of other news has been completely drowned out, and we're guilty of that as well, I guess. In my defence, I've been really sick, and I'm going to call a, a time on this podcast earlier than normal because I'm, I'm still not quite 100%, as you can probably tell. And Bronman had said, you wait, Trevor, it's not over yet. The coronation is next year. Coronation next year? For Prince Charles, would that be? They it would wait be for Charles. So, do they wait that long, do they? Wait. Right. Okay. All right. Ah, look, there's lots of things on the list there, but I'm going to call it a quick one because I'm still scrambled in my head and I can tell that we're just all over the shop on this podcast. But I think I'll be back to 100% next week and we'll see what we come up with then. So... Sorry for this short, abrupt end, but I'm done. <laughs> Signing out. Talk to you next week. Have some rum. That'll help. Yeah, I'll do that. Bye for now. Bye. It's a good night for him. Well, dear listener, did you enjoy that episode of the podcast? If you did, I've got a favour to ask. Uh, first up, tell some friends. Let them know about the podcast. You'll be discussing 
something at some time and you might be repeating something I've said and when you're talking to your friends, say, hey, I heard this on this podcast and it's worth listening to. And maybe pick an episode that you think's a good one and direct them to it. Like grab their phone and go to their podcast app and search for Iron Fist Velvet Glove and subscribe <laughs> on their behalf on their phone and, uh, and just put the word out. The other thing is you could become a patron and support the show. So if you go to our website, you'll see a link to Patreon and there are some different options for subscribing and paying per episode. And really the amount that you pay depends on what you get from the podcast. So there's different levels ranging from $1.50 Australian to I think $10 and various ones in between. It's really, what do you think it's worth? Is it worth a cup of coffee? Uh, Is it worth more than that, less than that, whatever you get out of it, because not everybody gets the same. Maybe you don't listen to the whole thing. Maybe you never talk about it with people. Maybe you really couldn't care less half the time whether the podcast is there. It just, it'll be different for everybody. So if you get a lot out of the podcast, contribute a bit more. If you don't get much, contribute less. But in any event, you can subscribe there. If you don't like the idea of a regular subscription, the website has a link to a PayPal donation. So you could just do a one-off donation every now and again. So there you go. It'd be good to uh, spread the word, get a few more listeners. And that way, look, if we ended up getting more listeners and more money, we could do maybe a second episode or more special episodes, provide some more content. So it's up to you. If you think it's worthwhile, let people know. Thanks.